What's up, Coastal Community Church? How are you guys doing today? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here. And can we give up a big shout-out to everybody that's watching us online that has not joined us back in person yet? We love you guys. We can't wait to see you, give you an air five, a high five, whatever you want. Man, at, at some point, we can't wait to have you back joining us. But I, I'm excited about today. In fact, I, I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, next weekend, we're actually adding back a four service. Uh, and so we're going to have Saturday night at 6.15. So I need you guys to continue all to come to Saturday night. Is that good? You guys are my Saturday night people. But uh, we're going to be also adding back uh, on Sunday morning. We're going to have our 9. We're adding back 10.15, and we'll have 11.30 starting next weekend. Uh, so a lot more options as as people are feeling more comfortable rejoining for in-gathering services we would love for you to join us if you're at home but I'm excited about this weekend because we're beginning a brand new series and this is a series that uh, honestly I I have been so wanting to talk about we've been a church for 11 years uh, but it's not been a subject that I felt really really comfortable about um, because it's on family it's on parenting I'm good on the family part I, I'm not an expert on parenting I, I've been a parent for like two years and so like I, I, I know how to do a toddler um, but I, I think that God has a lot to say about parenting I think family and and life is so critical no matter what stage of life you're in and I believe that God wants to speak to us today. And here's what I know about this series is everybody is going to filter this through their lens. And everybody's coming in here with a different lens, a different view of where they're at in life. Maybe you're a parent in here, and so you're going to view it through that lens. Maybe you're a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle, and so you're going to view it through the lens of that. Or, or maybe you're a single person that wants to be a parent someday, and so this is a great opportunity for you to learn some nuggets and some tools and some, some aspects that you can apply in the future in life. There's some parents in here that wish they weren't parents, and they're going to view it from that lens. Some, some of you might want to self-identify. You're like, you want kids? Here's some kids, you know, uh, but, but anyways, we're all going to view this through our own lens, and so this is going to be different. We're going to hear it differently, but I believe that God wants to speak to us today, and here's what I know is as I was preparing for this, I saw this word, apparently, it's actually up here on the screen, and uh, right in the middle of that word is the word parents. And, and when you think about the word apparently, it's like, uh, apparently, I, I guess that's how it goes. And, and when you, a lot of people, when it comes to parents, parenting, they think, uh, well, I guess that I'm a parent. I guess that, like, that's just what you do. And we just kind of go into it haphazardly without really any clue, without really any guidance, without really any background or training to get ready to be a parent. Besides what we saw our parents do with us. And so we approach parenting a lot of times without much intentionality. And, uh, and we kind of treat parenting like an experiment. Like, well, we'll try this. We'll see if it works. It's like throwing things up against the wall, seeing if it's going to stick. If it doesn't stick, we'll try something different. And uh, here's what I know is that healthy families don't happen by accident. There, there's got to be some intentionality to have a healthy family. No child is an accident. I believe that every child, if you were told that you were an accident, you were an oopsie baby, you were never an oopsie baby to God. Like you were, God knew you in your mother's womb. He formed you like you are not an accident. He built you and he formed you with intention. And I want to help us 
parents on purpose. I want to help us have healthy families on purpose because everybody ends up somewhere. Very few people end up somewhere on purpose. And I believe that God wants us to end up somewhere on purpose when it comes to raising godly kids who, who love him and are following him. And it means that we have got to be intentional. And in Psalms 127, verse 1, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builder is wasted. Here's what I know. A lot of us are trying to build a house without God's blueprint. And without God's blueprint, we're not going to have the values. We're not going to have the ethics. We're not going to have the morals that really what we want to instill in our kids that way. Because here's what I know. Normal is not working. Like, just look around at society, and if you are happy with the state of where our children are at, then you just keep doing normal. But if you look out and you don't like normal, then maybe let's try God's word. Maybe let's try what God has to say and, and, and just go, you know what? Normal is not working, and I don't want them to be average. I want them to be abnormal. I want them to be leaders. I want them to walk with integrity. I want them to walk with honesty. I want them to be the head and not the tail. I want them to be in positions because that's what God has put in their life. And the goal in all of this is not the, the absence of bad things. It's like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't go over there. Don't do all those things. But it's the presence of good things. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for the presence of God in our children's lives. And so, and so Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3, it says, By wisdom, a house is built. And through understanding, it is established. And so today, I, I just want to give us some wisdom from God's word. And listen, honestly, I have a ton of content. This is one of those days where I am not going to be a preacher. Typically, I'm a preacher. I, this is going to feel more like a lecture, uh, and, but I'm going to try to be fun with it and have some fun with it because there is so much information that I want to share. I've been studying this for such a long time. And I want to talk to you, first of all, about three types of parenting. This is going to be kind of the foundation for the next couple of weeks. And there's three types of parenting. The first type of parenting that, that a lot of people grew up with, especially if they're a little bit older, is the authoritarian parenting where where it's all about obedience you better do this or else like you better act right or else it was always the threat of something right it was always the parent it was the threat that got you to be obedient in life and and, and what your parents would say is, is hey you better be you i brought you into this world i will take you out of this world and i will create another one that looks just like you right you better act right. You better do right. You better say right. You better be right. And the goal of authoritarian parent, parenting is external obedience. The goal is to behave. The goal is to be obedient. And, and here's the thing. The, the goal of parenting should not just be external be obedience. It should be how do we capture their hearts? Like how do we get to the heart of a matter? Because if we miss out on the heart and just get the external obedience, what we're going to find is that there is rebellion still in their hearts. It's like the parent that told their kid to go to timeout, go sit in the corner in timeout. And the little kid goes in the corner and sits down in timeout. And he, say, he looks over to his mom and he says, you know what, I may be sitting here externally, but on the inside I'm standing up. <laughs> right? You got the behavior you were looking for, but you lost the heart. 
Then in the 60s, there was this moral movement, another style of parenting emerged, and it's the, the style of parenting that is most prevalent today, and it is the permissive parenting, where, where anything goes, where we are just affirming our children all the time. We never correct them. In fact, like, they, they never do anything wrong in your eyes. It's just always positive reinforcement. It's just they're always good. It's why we give out trophies to everybody today, right? Can we get rid of some trophies? I know that you're out there and your kids are playing that game and nobody's keeping score, but I've seen you parents, you're keeping score. You know what's going on and your kid's like, we won the game, can we go get ice cream? You're like, you lost 3-0. Ice cream is for winners, right? <laughs> but we're just, we're just affirming all the time. Permissive attitude rewards even bad behavior. Even, we even get to this point where we think misbehaving is kind of this cute thing. And we justify it. Oh, he's just tired, right? He's just tired. He just hasn't had his nap today. He's just, he's just tired. Yeah, but he's 17. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, oh, snap, he's been in my house. <laughs> so misbehavior becomes cute in this style. And, and here's what I know. What is cute at three is not cute at 23. Listen, parents, what you allow, you encourage. Be careful with this whole permissive style. And, and here's the problem with permissive parenting. It makes the assumption that kids are good by nature. And let me just inform you of something. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Like, like your kids are, 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 are not good by nature. They're bad. We all have an evil nature. Like, did any parent out there have to teach their kids how to say no and mine? Like, you never taught them that, did you? you? You, like, never said, hey, you know what? I need you to learn a word today. It's going to be, no. <laughs> or, mine. In fact, I, I thought about this. Like, like if, if, this is, if this is so good, let's, get, let's give property law of a toddler. If I have it, it's mine. If I had it and put it down, it's mine. If I had it and you picked it up, it's mine. If I thought about playing with it, it's mine. If you had it and you put it down, it's mine. If I ever think about having it, it's mine, right? Everything is just, it's mine. That's property law of a toddler. Why? Because we're selfish by nature. And here's the deal. It's our job as parents to bend the curve of that selfishness in a child and not just let them do whatever they want. And, and the goal of the permissive is if we just affirm enough that eventually they'll self-correct and honestly, that's not working out too good. And so I would submit to you there's a third style of parenting, and it's called biblical parenting. And the difference between biblical parenting and, and uh, authoritarian and permissive is the goal of biblical parenting is to train the heart of the child. It doesn't just discipline, it doesn't just affirm. It has both of those, and I'm all about affirmation, all, all about being positive to your child, and I'm all about correcting your child, but it's about getting to the heart of the matter of what is going on, and we've got to help them understand the why behind the what of what is happening in life, and we've got to instill values, and we've got to instill morals in their life, and the litmus test of this is, is when they get to an age where they can make a decision on their own do they make the right choice 
And the reason that they make the right choice is because their heart is in the right place. They've got those things in their heart. And honestly, society is struggling so bad right here. And I'm watching families and I'm watching kids make decision after decision that are so bad that are going to impact not just today, but the rest of their lives. And I know somebody's out there that is just going, well, that, every kid has to go through that season. I reject the notion that your child has to go through a season of rebellion. I just fundamentally reject that in the name of Jesus. That is just not biblical. That does not have to be your child's story. It does not have to be my child's story. And it's understanding that as parents, we have such a short time to invest in our kids and in their values and in principles. And, And biblical parenting trains them not just when it's in conflict, but also when things are going well, man, we're going to sit them down and we're going to explain to them what is going on. And because you're training them all the time with every single thing that you do. And here's why. It's because you want their hearts to be healthy. I'm going to guess that every parent in here, more than anything, they want the heart of their child to be healthy. Because it's out of the abundance of the heart that everything else flows. It's what scripture tells us. And so if their heart isn't healthy, if there's rebellion in their heart, it will eventually spill out into every single aspect of their life. And so today what I'm going to do is I want to look at the one picture we have of Jesus. Until the age of 30, we have one picture of Jesus as a junior high boy. Of all, of all the ages they could have put in the Bible, they put a junior high Jesus in there. They, they, they picked the, the most awkward age of any child. You know, they're, they're cute until they get to that age, and they're kind of they're trying to discover themselves. And in this story, his parents go on a trip, and they brought Jesus with them, and they actually end up forgetting Jesus for three days. How, do you, how many of y'all know Mary and Joseph did not get parenting of the year that year? Right there. Left the Savior of the world. On a trip, like we're on vacation, we forgot our kid, praise the Lord. You know, it's like, and they come back, and then when they come back, they find Jesus in the synagogue. He is preaching and teaching and blowing people's minds at age 12. And in verse 51 of Luke chapter 2, verse uh, verse 51, it says that Jesus, when he saw his parents, he actually submitted himself to them. And, and we're going to get to 252 here in a second, which I think is important. He submitted himself to his parents. In other words, Jesus was giving parents the model of what their children should do. They should be obedient to their parents. He's the son of God, and yet he says, man, I'm going to submit myself to them. And it actually says Mary hid all these things in her heart. And then Luke 2.52, it gives us this incredible verse about what Jesus did. And it says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and with favor with God and man. Listen, parents, kids have one responsibility, and that responsibility is to grow. And ideally, they grow in these four areas. They grow intellectually, physically, spiritually, and socially. And everything that we're trying to do as a church is to come alongside of you in coastal kids and in coastal youth, to come alongside you and help your kids grow in those four areas of life. And so what I want to do is I just want to dive into those four areas and talk about each one and break it down a little bit so that we can kind of lay the foundation for the next couple weeks. And so number one, if you're taking notes and you should 
should be taking notes. There's notes on every single one of your chairs. Number one, Jesus grew in wisdom. Your child needs to grow in wisdom. I'm not just talking about book smarts here. It is way more than that. This is wisdom, and, and I would recommend for you to look at it as this. It is literally to teach them to fear God. You want to instill wisdom in your children? It begins with teaching them to fear God. Not this afraid aspect of God, but having this holy reverence for the authority and the power and the love and the grace of God. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. It says, the foundation of wisdom, what, is a right perspective about God. And what does the right perspective about God do in their life? It gives your child good judgment. How many people want their kids to have some good judgment, some good sense in life? You want them to be wise? It starts with them having this reverence from God, having this healthy respect and honor for who God is and what he can do. Then Psalms 34, 11 says, come my children and listen to me and I will teach you to fear the Lord. Part of our responsibility as parents is to help our children fear the Lord. It's to teach them about the things of God. And the greatest way we can teach them about the things of God is to recognize that the Bible is our manual for living. We've got to have some, some place in life that is absolute truth. When everybody out there in the world has their truth or some truth or what I think is truth, there has got to be a line of demarcation that says, hey, here is the truth and this is what it is. And so we accept the Bible as our manual for living because the Bible has so much wisdom to offer our lives as parents in every decision we are making. The precepts and principles in this book are game changers when it comes to parenting. And here's the deal. Here's the scary part. It, it, there, in, from 1927 to 1945, it's called the Builder Generation. How many of you guys were born in 1927 to 1945? Come on, raise your hands. Builder Generation. We got a couple of them. It's actually the greatest generation in the history of America, they say. The Builder Generation. So they're, they're back there. If you want to you recognize some greatness, they're right back there. And so uh, Builder Generation. Now, between 1927 and 1945, 65% of the builder generation were Bible-believing Christians. Where's the boomer generation? 1946 to 1964. Come on, boomer generation. Raise your hands. Come on, be loud and proud, boomers. There they are. They're all in the middle and a couple scattered over here. Boomer generation, 35% Bible-believing Christians. They're the ones that are in leadership right now. 35%. Where's the busters at? 1965 to 1983. This is my generation. Busters. We're a bunch of busters. Come on, raise your hands. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of us right now. 16% uh, <laughs> Bible-believing. Gets worse, 1984 to today. It's the Bridger generation. 4%. 96% of Americans are rejecting the word of God. And we're here today in society because 35% accept God's word. What's going to happen when 4% are in leadership? 
We got to change that as parents. You know how it changes? Most children find a relationship with Christ between the ages of 9 and 13. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, it says, And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands, to the word of God that I am giving you. And repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you are on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Man, we've got to get them trained in God's word. And then we've got to guard their minds. And it's tough right now because the average American teenager by the age of 18 has seen over 100,000 sexual acts with 91% of them coming outside of marriage. By the age of 18, they've seen 8,000 acts of violence. And then we give them a cell phone at age 6. Let me just tell you something, parents. Normal is not working. There are some things as a parent you've got to swim against the stream. I, I'll just tell you this. Our child uh, had never seen a TV turn on in our house until a babysitter was there. You're like, that's crazy. He, he wasn't watching uh, PBS and all these other kids' programs. No, no, no. His programming was mom and dad. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, need, I don't need TV. You know how much, that, that, all that crap that they're seeing is, is those statistics right there. Man, and sometimes we got to swim upstream and we got to go, you know what? What is healthy for them, I've got to decide. I've got to be the filter for their life. Because I'm telling you what, other things are not going to filter that information for your child. And there are some things that we need, to, we need to preserve their innocence. We need to preserve their hearts. I, I, I mean, there's, we, we got to keep them pure in our lives. Psalms 101 verse 3 says, I will set no vile thing before my eyes. I hate the deeds of faithless men. They will not cling to me. Listen, there are so many things. You know the average child sees pornography at the age of seven today. Seven. I'm just going to be honest. I saw pornography at a very, very young age, and it jacked me up. It messed me up for years. We, we've got we've to we've guard our children's minds. Because our lives are directed and affected by the way we think. And how we think matters. And it's our responsibility to put those parameters, those guardrails, those barriers up. And they might think, man, you're, you're the most insensitive parent today, but they will thank you later. Like, I didn't have a cell phone. No, 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 I protected you, son. I protected you, daughter. Number two, says Jesus grew in stature. Doesn't just mean he got bigger. It's, it's literally talking about he grew in his position. He grew in his purpose in life. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20 says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. For every kid in life, there is a calling. For every kid, there is a purpose. For every kid, they are not an accident, but God has got a specific role for them to play. And our job as parents is to help them figure that thing out. The greatest thing that you could do as a parent is to help your child discover their purpose. We've got to help them discover their purpose. It's all about directing our children's lives. You can, you, can, you can use the approach, and it was the popular 80s approach, and a lot of people like doing this. It's the don't do drugs mentality. This is your brain. 
This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? Thank you, Barbara Bush. Like, nobody's like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to do drugs now, right? Nobody walked away and like, I'm not going to be an addict. No, 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 it, that, that doesn't change anything. You got to redirect them from negative to a purpose. You got to give them something so they can live for. And I think it's so important that as parents, we start teaching our kids at a very early, early age that their life can make a difference. Doesn't matter what age they are, that they can make an impact, that they can go out and they can serve others and they can start to impact their lives. One of my favorite families to watch in our church is the McMillan family. Uh, their, their son was right up here playing bass. This is their oldest of seven kids. Oldest of seven. Parents are out front serving. Uh, some of their daughters are, are servants. One of their sons, I think, was running a camera. Another daughter was, was back in the back uh, helping with coastal kids you want to know why is because they've discovered at a very very early age that man if we get our kids involved and we get them out there those will start to discover how god created them how god made them how their lives can make an impact and make a difference and and when this this i think he's 17 came in here he didn't play an instrument he started in in our coastal youth group started doing all this stuff he's up here today because he's found a passion for worshiping god he's discovered purpose in life you know what he's not out there finding going and looking at crazy stuff why because he's got intentionality in his life parents it's our responsibility to help them give them places and opportunities for them to start to discover that I know you think it's out here on the Parkland ball fields, but I've seen your kids. They're not athletes. It's okay. Help them discover some significance and how they can make a difference in life. And listen, you don't trip into purpose. It's got to be discovered. It's got to be trained. You've got to constantly be looking for ways. How do, how do I have the opportunity to, to direct them in this so they can discover the uniqueness of how God created them? Because without a purpose, they'll settle for anything. They'll settle for anything in life. If your child does not know their purpose, man, they will settle for any joker that's out there. Hey, girl, I love you. That don't move me. My dad tells me he loves me all the time. That don't move me. My, my mom tells me that loves me all the time. That doesn't move me. Listen, my grandparents tell me they love me all the time. That doesn't move me. Listen, my pastor tells me he loves me all the time. That doesn't move me. My God tells me he loves me all the time. Yeah, that ain't going to get me in the backseat of a car just because you said you love me. I already know what love is. I know and I have that in my heart. I don't need your crappy love because I've got to love this much greater than that. That's what you want your daughter to say in that moment, parent. But that only comes when you start to instill purpose in their life. Help your kids find their purpose. Start showing them. One of my, my favorite testimonies of our church is, is Miss Rachel and Mr. Joe who, who run our curriculum back in Coastal Kids. They started as volunteers back there. They say, hey, we're going to start volunteering. We're going to bring our three boys and we're going to serve back there. And as they started serving back there, what they discovered is one of their kids, as he was presenting to, to the, he was a teenager, I think he was 16, 17 years old, as he started presenting to the other kids, he realized, man, like, I can make a huge difference in these kids' lives. I, like, 
My life is significant right now. And all of a sudden, he's now preaching to teenagers. He's preaching all over the place. Why? Because his, his parents put him in an environment to discover his purpose. Then they encourage that. And they started going, man, you've got this, son. You can do this. Man, I see that gift in your life. I believe in you. And listen, parents, we can do that in so many areas of our lives. What we also have to do is we have to pray for God's favor over their life. Tell you what, man, I, I'll pray Every time I, I, I'm, I'm with my son, I pray over him. I'm praying that God would bless him, that he would give him wisdom, that he would protect him, that he would, he would provide opportunities for him in life, that he would start to build him up, that he would have the armor of God all over his life, that his, God's favor would follow him everywhere he goes. Every room that he walks in as a two-year-old, all of a sudden people would notice that there is a difference in his life. And you're like, that's weird and crazy. No, no, no. That's a dad that believes in the power of prayer. Why? Because in Psalms chapter 5, verse 12, it says, For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as a shield. I, want, I don't know about you, but I want my kids covered with favor as their shield. I want the prosperity of God, the goodness of God covering their life. And they might not know what's going on, but man, their daddy is making sure that they got favor on their life, that they've got God's covering on their life. And it's important for us to do that. And if there's one thing that can derail your kid's purpose, it is their relationships. The good and the bad. And I think it's important that as parents, we choose relationships carefully. I'm going to say something that is, gonna, is probably going to bug the trend. But uh, don't let your kids choose their friends. You choose their friends. Well, well, TJ, how do we do that? You put them in environments that you choose. You know, you can choose your, your, your children's friends. You can save them from a ton of heartache and brokenness in life. Just by the relationships they have. Because here's what I know. Your life is the sum total of your closest relationships. Think about that when it comes to your children. doesn't matter what age they are. Their relationships are impacting their life. That's why 1 Corinthians says, bad company ruins good morals. Don't be deceived. Don't be misled. That's why Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and go to jail. Right? Well, TJ, my fr the, the friends don't impact me. Let, let me just share you a story. It's out of the book of Jonah. Maybe you've never heard of Jonah's story. Jonah was running from God. He goes and he gets on a ship. And while the, he's on a ship with all of these innocent people, what happens? God sends a storm. They're, it's about to overtake the ship. They're about to drown. They're throwing uh, stuff off the boat. They're trying to save themselves. And they're going, oh, my gosh, we're going to die. Like, who brought this? They actually say, who brought this upon us? And Jonah goes, hey, it, it's me. Some of y'all are in a storm right now that you shouldn't even be in. It's because of the relationships that are in your life. It's their storm, and you got caught in the middle of it. Why? Because relationships matter. Don't tell me they don't. You know it's true. Your children's relationships matter. Number three, favor with man. And here's the goal. If we're going to grow, we'll treat people the way God treats people, which means we need the character of God. We need the Holy Spirit. We need God's word inside of us. We need to learn to love other people and put other people first. And, and by the way, if your children will learn how to treat people well, they'll go so much further in life. If you learn how to walk with honor and respect and integrity, you know what people are going to want to, those are the people that are getting jobs right now. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. It's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself 
less. You're thinking about others before you think about yourself. And we have to teach our kids this. It's not all about you. It's not always about what you want and you need. It's about what are we here on this earth for? We're about other people. It's about the entirety of the family. It's not just about what you want in this moment. It's about the entire, it's what's best for the family. And this is about training their heart. This is about instilling honesty in their lives. We're not expecting perfection, but we're trying to train their hearts, right? My son, if he goes and breaks something, I don't get angry at him because he broke something. Like, accidents are going to happen. You know what I'm going to get upset is when he lies to me or he's completely rebellious in something I instructed him in. Why? Because those are issues of the heart. Accidents are going to happen. But I want to train his heart. I want his heart to be pure. And your, your child is in training right now. And, and here's what I know is, is that is that. Right now, you if you have a son, I know I have a son. Man, I'm training him right now to be the best husband to a future wife right now. How I treat my wife, how I do all those things, he is in training right now. And I'm praying that some other parent right now has got their daughter in training to be the ultimate wife someday. Why? Because I want him to live with honesty and I want him to have integrity. And that becomes out of the heart want him to honor we honor men we honor women we honor up we honor down we honor people all around we hold doors for people we open the doors for ladies we honor our parents fifth commandment honor thy mother and mo thy mother and father and you will have long life it's it's the first commandment with a blessing on it and we've lost this idea of honor it's important to teach our kids these like these are game changers it's about them growing in favor with other people and how about respect you look people in the eye you shake their hand you talk to them you don't allow how you feel you don't allow your attitude be for to be an excuse for disrespecting Whew, it's quiet if you're watching online is it that quiet in your house too because it's quiet in here man we got to instill these things number four it's the most important it's favor with god spiritual development it's the most important thing and let me just tell you something right now most families put the spiritual development of their children on the church let me give you some insight that's not our job that's your job now, we will partner with you, we will resource you, we'll give you tools, but here's the deal. We are a supplement to the faith walk that you're instilling in them every single day. And for some of you, I need you to bring God home. Like, I know you visit him on Saturday or Sunday. But this isn't a visitation. This is a habitation. He should be habitating in your life 24-7. I need y'all to smile at me. Y'all are the ones that asked for this series. I didn't ask for it. <laughs> so here's what I know. God blesses places where he is made first. So don't rely on coastal kids or coastal youth 
to train your kids? And I know it's hard. And here's what happens, because we run into it all the time. Parents that don't take their kids to church consistently, and taking your kids to church consistently is an important thing. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, a, it, 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 it's like a shot of adrenaline. It's, it's, like, it's like Superman coming in and saying the same thing that you just said. That's what we do here for you. And all of a sudden, they're like, Superman said it. You're like, I've been saying that for six months. Yeah, we're a supplement. But all of a sudden, it clicks here. But here's what always happens. They, they've been inconsistent, and then their kids go and do something crazy, and they're coming, fix my kids. I can't fix your kids. That's your job. I can help you. I can resource you. I can pray with you. I can give you principles and precepts to work on and build the foundation. But you have got to commit to developing and formulating their spiritual character in your home. You gotta make God a priority in your life. You gotta make seeking God fun in your home. You gotta, you gotta put things around it. You gotta make the church experience part of your weekly rhythm. And I just know that when Jesus is first, I'm a better husband. And when I'm a better husband, I'm a better, uh, uh, I'm a better father. And when I'm a better father, I'm a better pastor. And when I'm a better pastor, I'm a better man. Like it just, it's a trickle down effect. So we got to make him first, and then we got to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your home. Where he's first. He's first in your day. I, every day that I would take Alexander to, to preschool, we, we would get in the truck. And as we're getting in the truck, I'm putting him in his, his car seat. I would start to pray out loud over him. Why? Because I wanted my son to hear his father praying over him. You know, most children have never heard their father truly pray. Wanted him to hear that his dad isn't just something he lives on Sunday. This is something he lives every day of his life. And then as we got in the car and we got going, we put on Hillsong Kids music and we would dance to it. And we would worship God. And I'd be dancing in the car just like him. I, wa I wanted him to see what worship looked like. Why I, want I wanted to be the model for his life. I don't need you to emulate anybody else. I need you to emulate me. Why? Because we don't have two worlds. We have one world. We don't have a, a, a real life and then our church life. We have this life. Because we don't attend church, we are the church. This is who we are and this is who we're going to be. Love what Joshua says, but he says, but as for me and my family, we'll serve the Lord. We've got to make up our minds that we're not, we're not just going to visit him, we're going to serve him. On the weekend and during the week, we're going to serve him all the time. Show them your personal love for God. Parents, it's so important. Show them your love for God. Let them see you in the morning. The reason Shayla and I today follow Jesus, if you were to ask her what, what was the greatest impact in your life, she would say every morning when I wake up to go to school, my mom would be sitting at the dining room table with her Bible open, praying and doing her devotions. And to this day, it impacts me. And if you were to ask me, I would tell you my stepdad, his name is George, every single day in high school, he would wake me up in the morning. He'd make me come and sit and eat breakfast with him while he read scripture to me that I wanted nothing to do with. 
but it changed everything. You might think, man, what I'm doing right now is useless. It's irrelevant. No, 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 no. It's impacting them. We want them to grow up and love God and love family and love church. Proverbs 14, 26, it says, Those who fear the Lord are secure. He will be a refuge for their children. That I don't know about you, but I want to be a refuge for my child. And it's when I fear God that all of a sudden I become a refuge. And then 1 Corinthians 11, 1, it says, And you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. Let me ask you a, parent, a question, parent. Parents. Would you be okay if your children imitated you? Would it be good for what's in you to be in your child? So what does that mean? We've got to strive to be like Jesus in every situation. See, when you mess up in life, when your kids mess up in life, that's when they need you as a parent the most. Because it's in that moment that you get to be like Christ more than any other moment. It's in that moment where they're in their most humiliating place that you get to show up and show off in a way that looks like Jesus. You get to extend the amazing grace of a God. In fact, I found this, this little meme that was going around a couple weeks ago or months ago. It says, religion, I messed up. My dad is going to kill me. Some of us, when our kids mess up, that's exactly what they think. Because we're not striving to be like Jesus in every situation. But see, when we get Jesus like that, it goes, man, I messed up. You know what happens? They go, I need to call my dad. Why? Because they know that no matter how far we've gone, no matter what we've done in life, that the grace that is always sufficient for them. It's in those moments where they screw up and they mess up that there's a God that, that loves them so much that there is a love that is there in your heart that there is nothing they can do that can ever separate from the love that you have from them. Just like there is not uh, anything that you can do that can separate us from our relationship with our Heavenly Father. His love is never ending. It's never ceasing. And our kids need to know that. They need to experience that amazing grace. It doesn't mean that there isn't consequences to decisions. Don't misunderstand me. But they need to realize that there is a grace and there is forgiveness and there is love. That just like Jesus is the safest place they can run to in life, so is mom and dad. And if we will do that, man, we will start to lay the foundation so that our kids can grow in wisdom, in stature, in the, in the favor of God and the favor of man. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, here's what I know is that as a parent, as a child, more than anything is... I want my kids to know that they are loved unconditionally. That you've got a purpose and a plan for them. And here's what I know is a lot of parents, they're trying to figure this thing out. They're like, apparently I'm a parent. And I got no training. I've got no direction. But your word has given us direction. Your word has given us truth. And God, I pray today that you'd begin to seal in their hearts God, these principles and these precepts that they can start to apply every single day of their life. 
in their homes, in their families, so that they, their children can experience all that you have for them. That they can grow up in a place where they know that no matter what has happened or what has taken place, that there is always a seat at the table for them at that home. And that there is love, and there is peace, and there is joy, and there is a place where they can receive all that you have for them. But here's what I also know, is that there's some people in here that they've never experienced the amazing grace that we just saw up on the screen. They think, man, I've messed up. My dad is going to kill me. And I want you to know that your heavenly father in heaven, when he saw you mess up, he said, I'm not going to kill you. I'm actually going to make a way for you. I'm going to send my son Jesus so that you could be in right standing with me. I'm going to make a way where there is no way so that you can have life and have it more abundantly. And maybe you're in here today and you need to experience that. It begins with a simple prayer. It begins with you saying, Jesus, I need you today. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin and my shame. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Take over. Rule and reign inside of me. I ask you to forgive me. Change me. Transform me. I'll follow you all the days of my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen.